Welcome to Armchair Preaching, a podcast of the First Presbyterian Church in Lakeland, Florida. This is a podcast about God's Word, the beauty of the gospel, and what it takes to communicate that truth to others. I'm your host, Pastor Zach McGowan, and on today's episode, Pastor John and I talk about how we approach passages of Scripture that are difficult to understand and apply. We also dig into this week's messages in our series entitled Parables. We hope you enjoy the conversation. Welcome back, everybody, to Armchair Preaching. This is uh, episode number 54. 54. In our, uh, in this new year. Uh, still call it the new year because we're still three weeks in. And you know, I think to date, I have yet to actually write 2022. Uh, usually that only, yeah. only happens when I have to like put in a purchase order or something for yeah, around the church yeah. and i actually uh, had to write a physically write a check the other day oh Never wow done that in forever oh my gosh and I, had to, I had to stop and think for the 2022 yeah because that can really mess up the the ability to cash that check <laughs> yeah, if yeah. It, or use that check uh yeah so uh glad to be back in the armchair john is here with us uh you preached in vine this past i was week. in vine this weekend and uh, i was in the classic service we're in our series called parables but i want to kick off um primarily par- partially because of what we preached on this past sunday but uh um, people ask me, and I'm sure they ask you, how do you prepare for a passage of Scripture that you know you're going to tackle, uh, which is particularly difficult? And it can be difficult from from two different sides. It can be difficult because you read it, and there's just a what does this mean kind of difficulty. Uh, and then there's the ones where the, 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 uh, the meaning of the passage is not difficult, but then the application and the taking that into your life – and and then also delivering that message out to a congregation of a few hundred people yeah. might be difficult. So how do you approach those sorts of passages, either from the mm-hmm. understanding the or the application side, or, or or both? Well, I think you and I both know that there are there are weeks where the the passages are not that. Yeah. And on those weeks where the passages are not that, maybe they're not that complicated. The meaning is pretty pretty self evident. And what you're really trying to do is get at the heart of that. They feel very different. Those weeks feel yeah. very different. The sermons almost write themselves. You know, they, they, you've had that experience. I've had that experience. It's like, I know right where we're going to go with this. I know we're going to go here, here, and here. Uh, for those weeks, those are great to have those weeks because the weeks that you're asking about, the weeks where where it's where it's not evident, or when you come to a passage and um, and you go, gosh, I have not seen this before, or I've not thought this thought before. What's different about those weeks is the amount of sort of attentive, diligent, exegetical stu- study st- study time that that we have as as pastors because mm-hmm. you have to. I mean, you can't you can't you, you can't skim over or skip over the the content of this. So you have to really dig in and say what exactly is being said in this passage, and and then then you start bringing in the the the, the conversation from throughout history. What exactly have people been saying about this passage? Uh, throughout history, and and now, what exactly will this congregation uh, a need to hear and understand about this passage, and and how will they take it? Mm-hmm. So all that all that is going through through my mind, in, in both trying to understand some difficult passages, or trying to think through the implication of a passage that is difficult because of the teaching. Yeah. How about you? Well, and 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 what I find with those passages that are difficult for me to understand or apply 
is that when you start to look at the the all that what you're talking about, all the exegetical tools that we have at our disposal, commentaries and 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 in language, uh, you know, dictionaries and and uh, and then even you know early church fathers, what you also find is. A lot of people have had trouble to, to kind of delineating what those meanings are. And sometimes for me, it it comes down to, yes, doing all that work and then just really being in prayer about yeah. that meaning because yeah. you don't – to some extent, we've, we also have to approach it with a great amount of humility that – this is I always have to remind myself I don't know if you have to do this I have to have to remind myself this is God's word it's not my word and if if I truly believe that God has put us in a position to communicate that word then the Holy Spirit's going to have to do his job to tell me what that means for this congregation and how many times has that actually been your prayer that's right oh my gosh <laughs> Holy Spirit I, I I got nothing here, or here's what I have got right now, and if it's wrong, please, Lord, yeah, now. fix this. Fix, fix it now before I step up and say a word. Yeah. Or fix it in the moment, give me the exact words yeah. to say. Because I don't know about you, but there have been times where I've written something, and then as soon as I get up there, I'm like, no. This isn't right. Yeah, that's not what I'm going to say. Okay, Lord, this is you. Yeah. Um, uh, we're, I'm just I'm, I'm releasing the, the, the stick here, and uh, you're, you're in, in control. You're going to have to land this plane, uh, which is kind of the metaphor we, we, we proverbially use quite quite yeah, often yeah. about the sermons um but uh yeah i mean it there's a great deal of reliance on on yes the the way god has communicated his meaning to to the generations that have come before us um to even our contemporary scholars that are around us um and then the but the biggest reliance has got to be on the holy spirit in those moments because it is i have to those are the reminding moments where it's not my word it's his word it's not my congreg it's not our congregation it's his congregation mm-hmm. it's we are we are simply servants in this 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 uh, endeavor so so i actually have thought about and i was thinking about i was thinking about for this year doing a series and i'm sure at some point in the future we will do a series while we have these one these weeks like this this past yeah. week dealt with burning fires and yeah. eternal separation and whatnot. <laughs> yeah. We dealt with those those topics. <clears throat> so how 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 great would it be to have an entire series mm-hmm. n- on nothing but the hard sayings of Jesus? <laughs> uh, an entire series on that. So so we would do this every exactly. week. Every we would week. go into the knowing we're doing this kind of work every week. Well you know, but, and there's some people I think that would that would really resonate with those because they they ask those questions of us, you know, on individual passages. They you you get I'm sure you get these emails. What do I do with this, Pastor? You get these phone calls. Man, I just ran across this and this is hard. Like mm-hmm. this is hard for me to understand, you know, intellectually. This is hard for me to understand spiritually and emotionally. This is hard for me to I get what it's saying but how do you even remotely live this out and um and so yeah maybe that series would be engaging for people but i think we would have to carve out a lot more time for the exegetical work which i think we do carve out quite a bit of time yeah. I think you and i do uh, i know some pastors say oh yeah i only get two hours a week to prep my sermon I, i'm like that's that's Ouch. seriously dangerous to do that and i think you and i both um and the staff here really is it, they really make sure that we have the as much time that that eight to fifteen hours to to unpack the the sermons um, each and every week, which I'm super grateful for. I know you've got to be grateful yeah. for that yeah. as well too, because there are churches that don't don't honor, allow their they, pastor or, that. or they don't honor the closed door. They don't honor the closed door. You know, yeah. the closed door is yeah. they're closed because. And yeah. as I tell, I, I sometimes I th- talk 
thought about putting sign on the door that says, "If you knock on the door, you're preaching the sermon on Sunday." <laughs> well, one of our one of our uh, our associates said uh, used to have a sign that said. Uh, my door is always. He had a sign that said, "My door is always open, except when it's closed. And when it's closed, please come back when it's open, or something like that." So, <laughs> so it's, uh, and 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 you and I sometimes have to just physically leave leave the yes. office uh, just to say, "Hey, this is this is important um, because we we are not just going to rely on our own uh, creativity in the moment, and uh, we or, or two hours, yeah, two hours of prep and a and a, and a quick visit to desperatepastors.com. <laughs> We've <laughs> never done that. I, I I don't even know if there is a place. I know there's to, probably there, pro- uh, yeah. there probably is. There should be. There's not. Yeah, yeah I'm sure that there is. I I uh, I, I have seen uh, different tools like that before, and and with illustrative materials and all that kind of stuff. But it's uh, you know for us, as we've talked about several times on this podcast, we believe we're called to not just communicate the word of God, but communicate the word of God specifically to this context in this yeah. congregation. And that's different than just a general call. Now, not to say that it is not generally applicable to people that aren't in the congregation, but um, the prayer is for this congregation and for yeah. the people that, that gather here either virtually or in person. And, and uh, we take that seriously. Yeah. We take that seriously, yeah. especially with hard passages uh, like the one we gravitated towards this week. This week, for those that have not heard the message, we were in uh, Matthew uh, chapter 13. 13. Now, I'm, I'm, I've got to I got to confess, and, and I had to confess to you. I had to confess to, <laughs> right. to I was like, you, so what, you were taking the whole chapter at yeah, one point this well, week so, or last week. So when, yeah, so when I looked at the <laughs> preaching schedule uh, last week when I was prepping the message, I read that it was – verse beginning with verse 42 um uh, uh or, or uh, yeah for, or verse 44 and uh, so for those that are reading matthew thirteen forty four, uh that begins with the parable of the hidden treasure and then the parable of the girl of uh, pearl of great value and then the parable of the net we were so i did a lot of work <laughs> Work on those first. Two you slipped parables. it in. I heard you. You slipped in the, the, you did the, too the pearl well. and yeah. the treasure. Just yeah. to get a little context there. But you could have you gone a lot more. Yes. You, you had a whole sermon ready yeah, for right. that. That's right. And I thought to myself, I'm halfway through. It's like, man, this is going to be a really long message. So it was actually on four, beginning with 47 and going to 52. So that's where we were at, the parable of the net and then the new and old treasures, which is one of those uh, 51, 52 is debated whether it's a parable or not. Yeah, and then um, what, does it apply to the last parable? Does it apply to all the parable? Who's he talking about? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So what? So but, when you're looking at the, the planning, I wonder, you, you, you planned out this series. Yeah. What? What was it about this particular parable that fit into the overall scheme of the series that you – because 38 parables, you have to make decisions about what we're going to yeah, cover or what we're not. I, I, frankly, they just w- – w- the, the, whole, the whole series was just which ones seemed interesting to me and which yeah. ones I'd like to spend some, some time with and which ones I haven't heard things about uh, lately. So just try to put, put all that – put that mix together, and that, that's where, where we've, why we landed with these. Yeah. Well, and it does it's, – it's interesting, though, because it, this parable um, definitely coincides with some of the previous parables that we talked about, the great banquet, and we, you get this 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 theme of of separation mm-hmm. of people, um, the banquet parable that we dealt that you and Rebecca dealt with last week. Who, who gets invited? Who doesn't get invited? Who actually shows up and who doesn't show up? This week, we're talking about good and bad fish. Uh, the week, just as a spoiler for people for next week, we're talking about a tax collector uh, and, uh, uh, and a Pharisee in their modes of prayer. At least I hope 
that's what we're doing because that's what I started prepping for yesterday. Um, but but there is that theme, you know, and yeah. uh, that that there is this kind of separation, insider, insider outsider, who's in, who's out. Yeah. Uh, what will what will happen at the end? Yeah, yeah. As you approach this particular parable, what was uh, what was your thought process about the ministry of Jesus in the background that he was dealing with that played into your um, into your unpacking of this particular parable well he obviously had something to 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 teach his the people around him in this this discourse on mm-hmm. on what the kingdom of heaven on earth was like and so he's at this stage where it is the teaching stage he's mm-hmm. he's, he's talking and he's teaching them so so you know he, he wanted to, to put paint with different colors the 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 image of what the kingdom of heaven is like so uh, it clearly clearly something new was re- he represented something new coming into this world and he wanted to to paint different pictures and it, it, this one about the 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 ultimate um, uh, what happens ultimately with the with those who are who are unrighteous or wicked and and the righteous is not the first time. So he's dealt with this theme before. Mm-hmm. Um, the value of it, we both picked up on that. He's dealt, he wanted to make sure that 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 what this represented um, re- represented something that if we're not thinking that it's worth selling everything and buying it all, mm-hmm. we need to be thinking about it. It's that big. So it's just really uh, it was interesting to me to see he he wanted them to have a a mental picture in their mind of what this thing that he he represents and he embodies is all about and and, and it seemed to me for for the one today he 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 wanted to, to deal with the question of okay there's just lots of terrible things going on in in this world how do i deal with that yeah how do how do i what do, how do i come to terms with that this is one of those editing room floor things by the way because i had i so much wanted to go i knew we had communion coming up and i need to watch watch time and all but i so much wanted to go into the biblical response to the question everybody asked it was just implied in what some of what i said and what you said yeah. um, but what is the biblical response to uh, why bad things exist in this world yeah. why 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 good people have bad things happen to them why evil even exists why didn't jesus just not only deal with forgiveness of sin but eliminate evil from the face of this this earth uh that's that was all percolating in my head right now and i so much wanted yeah. to land with this you know just land with the the two what i see as the two uh, basic uh answers to that question is that uh, sometimes the things that just because we say these things are evil doesn't mean that they're actually they actually are evil joseph and his and, and mm-hmm. the, the whole story of joseph you meant it for evil but god meant it for for good uh, to save to save people, or the, or the question that was an, was answered in this parable, which is that yes, it, it exists for now. Yeah. Evil, evil, and righteousness do exist for now, but but it's the provisional dualism. It, they're they're both there, but it, at some point in the future, only one will be, be left standing, yeah. and that's the righteous. Well, and, and and again, the cutting room floor sort of thing. I mean, I think for when I look at that, I get that question. Um, at least once a month when I teach the Bible study that I, you know, that I teach on, on Sunday mornings, the agape Bible class, I get that sort of thing. And I said, well, one of the, one of the sides of that is God is actually demonstrating grace by allowing this time to go the way it's gone so that more and more people have that opportunity. He's demonstrating uh, kind of this expanse of grace that those who, um, are in in that category of wicked or evil might 
will will have the opportunity to come. And we don't know who that is. God knows who that is. Um, in his divine sovereign plan, he knows the time and he knows the, the space. And we can go back through over, uh, you know, the history, the redemptive history and, and look at those wicked and evil people or those wicked and evil situations in which God turns it around. There's no doubt about it that the situation or that person was wicked and evil, but because of the grace of God, they come and, and, and the, the... That's a good point. They come to faith and they... Or they this, this, this period of in-between time has the continuation of the redemptive work of, of, uh, of God and that there may well be people who are living that way for now and we see the examples mm-hmm. of them living that way and they're doing evil and terrible things but you know that so, sometimes those people have I mean I look at all these stories from the you hear about throughout this world where people were just I was living the worst possible life you yeah. can imagine and I bottomed out had came, came to my senses like the prodigal son and I and I completely changed directions yeah and that's the thing about the, the parable of the net is the net is cast really widely. I mean, and and one of the things we both pointed out is, you know, there, you know, I've been to the Sea of Galilee, and you you've been out there, mm-hmm. and and when they cast the net, when if they if you've ever been on the boat in the Sea of Galilee, and they demonstrate, oh, this is how they would do it, and they they do a simple cast net. Well, that is not the image that's here, as you pointed out in your message. The, the 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 casting of the net is a huge net it is a giant net it is a net that ca- brings in all sorts of fish and thus is the, also the kingdom of heaven you know that message is very compelling and i loved how you said it the word that you 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 tied in the word curious and conviction you know the, the, pe- there are a lot of folks that come to the 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 church they come to um yeah act as though they demonstrate faith or they maybe even feel like they demonstrate faith but it's more of a curiosity rather than a conviction yeah and and i love how you did you you your version of that same thing which is bringing in the like the parable of the sower some of the mm-hmm. other parables in the parable of the sowers it seems like because it got a good start here's this the the, the the life is showing forth but then in just a matter of minutes or months or whatever it is it's withered away and gone yeah and i think that's the when we talk about these parables um so there is a lot of difficult there's a lot of simplicity and understanding in, in even the meaning of it you know the weed the, the the weeds and the wheat and the the parable of the sower and this one the, the net but man the, the whole uh the whole concept of there are people that we look at and say they're not in i was really glad that you mentioned this in your message is uh it's not our job to guess who's in and who's out yeah yeah such a temptation, I find, with people. I mean, have you you've experienced that? I'm sure with others as I, well I had, too. I actually had this this very conversation. It was either before or after church. I can't remember when it was. This past Sunday on an entirely different subject, but somebody was saying that somebody else was convinced that that person was going to hell or yeah. some 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 version of that. And I said, I said, listen, in all due respect, that person doesn't know. They're not God. They're not God. Yeah. And this is not the this is not the end of the age either. I mean, <laughs> you don't know. Yeah. I mean, the, the, we we you're talking about the need for humility. You know, just yes, the signs may be there. I mean, you were just talking about it a little while ago. The signs may be there, and there may be that may be some real terrible things that are being done there. But you, that's that it's not jury's not out yet. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's not done yet. You, and and if, even if it were, you still don't know. Yeah. 
Yeah, because we have no idea the condition of people's hearts. I mean, now Jesus does say you you know people will be known by their by fruit, their fruit. Yeah. Uh, and so there's evidence. But again, that's not our responsibility. That's more of when when Jesus is talking about people will be known by their fruit. It's really more to examine our own hearts and our own lives and what is is the fruit of my life in keeping with what I say has been sown in my life, or is the fruit of my life really in keeping with something else? And if and if that's the case, then maybe the the seeds of faith haven't taken root like I think that they have. And if I could just sort of talk about another editing room floor here, just expanding on that very concept that you don't know, it's not our responsibility to know. Um, how many people we have, we have met that there are anxious about about yeah. other people? They're anxious because it's not, not because it's because they care about these people. They're their spouses or their children mm-hmm. or their parents. And, um, you know, just, just kind of keep telling them, say, look, this ought to be liberating to, to know that it's not up to us to make that call. It ought to be liberating because our work is to do exactly what most of these people that I talk to are doing. Pray for them, talk with them, point to them, invite them. All those things that we do as as per, people of faith, that's our job. That's the I mean, my, my image from Sunday was that's the fishing season that we're in, the fishing age that, that we're in. Um, but it's not to, to reach into their heart and, and, and change it. It's not to bring them to Christ. Yeah, all we can do is point to them, be like the be like the master of the house that brings the treasure of the old and the new out to give them the entire. I mean, our our responsibility is to do the prayer and do the presentation to cast the net. It's it we can't we can't be expected of ourselves or anybody else to be able to say, oh yeah, that person's in that person's. I know there's some people we can with great clarity. You and I both have to do uh, funerals all the time for people and, and, and speak into the, the, their, their post, you know, life. And there's some people, it's very easy for us to look and say, man, all the fruit, all the evidence of their life demonstrates a life of faith, demonstrates a life. And we can say that confidently. Uh, But again, it's not our responsibility. And, and And, and I've had, people on the other side that are extremely worried about themselves well, wait a minute am I, how do i know if i'm really in yeah, you know how do yes. i how do i know if i'm really really in and you know that's where we have the the beautiful doctrine of the perseverance of the faith this is one of those cutting room floor things that would be a tangent to go off of but but i know there are people in the room that are thinking to themselves, well, what am, if, I, am I in? Yeah. What yeah. if I'm a bad fish? Yeah. You know, I'm here right now. I feel like a good fish. I feel, you know, I, I believe in Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, but it does that, is that, is that going to matter, you know, ultimately for me to that we say, again, what's the, you, only you can examine the fruit of your life. And only yeah. you can examine where you are. And, and more often than not, the people who are asking themselves that question, the very fact that they're asking themselves exactly. this question is an indication of the, the truth of the matter. Yeah. If and you're truth- worried about it, there's a humility there that is a prerequisite for leaning into the gospel of Jesus Christ. And and uh, there's a lot of theological stuff that goes into this particular parable as well, too. You know, you talked about uh, about the bad and, and the evidence that we see all around us. I wonder if you could like just unpack, you know, how, how you were approaching that, uh, to be able to, to, to communicate the comfort of that actually, that, that yes, we do see bad all around us. And yet there's a lot of reason to despair, but as people of faith, we're called not to despair. Well, the theological the 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 core of that theological point is the assertion that there that that there is a separation from God. Yeah. Um, that and and I and I did 
I did go there. I did. I did say that we don't believe in a universal salvation. We are not universalist. We believe that Jesus taught it, and I referenced multiple places. And this is one of those places that that you know whatever symbolism is being used in the fiery blazing furnace and the um, eternal separation, the gnashing of teeth, all that, whatever symbolism that's being used is to symbolize that there is a there is a condition that is that is. It's, it's future oriented. It, it is. It has to do with the, the time of judgment. But there is a condition where, where not every single person will be part of the glorious future of, of, with God, mm-hmm. and uh, and that's the part that that is at, at its core that that was was there. And so I just, for for me, it was really saying, well, okay, so what? Now I'm living my life right now, and I got bad people doing bad things in this world, or maybe even in my life. Somebody might be listening. I've got bad people in my life doing evil thing, and I've referenced, you know, traffickers, any type of abuse that's that, that's going on, and the, the the kind of mindset and the kind of person who's behind all that. What do I what do I do with that? And and uh, you know, it's a it's uh, it's a strange comfort, and you know, you said it was a comfort, and I did land there. It's a strange comfort though, because it's not the kind of comfort that's like that person now is going to cease and, and desist not this this teaching wasn't about that this that teaching would come through righteous actions on the part of the people who surround people like that and, and creating safety for that person that's another conversation this one says that yeah you, what we need to know is that 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 that, that behavior it, 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 eternally it will be judged mm-hmm. and it will not last that is a Strange comfort. It is. And, it, and, you know, it goes into some of our, you know, reformed, you know, our reformed mentality is that, and you, you said this and, and, and uh, that everybody you look at is a sinner, right? I mean, we have this total depravity kind of mindset, but the difference between those of us that are sinners and those that are, you know, that, that are sinners that are saved and those that are, you know, thrown into the fiery furnace where there's weeping and gnashing and bad fish. Yeah. Yeah, Is that, you know, we, we understand our sinfulness and we then have to lean into the grace, but not everybody does that. And, and for me, you know, I look at that, that passage and, and I really hone in on, we even see that amongst people of faith i mean i i we get news articles and and hey did you see this that happened in this church over here and this pastor did this and 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 it's tragic it really is tragic but it shouldn't be a surprise for us even that that affects the church could, could it be that there are people in the church and could it be that there are leaders in the church whose hearts really are not regenerated exactly and that's that's what you're saying you we see examples of that it, it seems pretty evident that their hearts are not regenerated which means that they have not they have, while while sinners yes but they have not re- received that that um the, the the application of that grace well and i think too you know you talked about the curiosity and the conviction and there are folks that are i think even further in past that curiosity stage but it but it still hasn't come all the way to the full conviction stage there are a lot of folks that use and and we've seen this unfortunately uh i think our denomination and our tradition and denominations like ours try to limit the number of people that get past the the gates become leaders but really their ultimate motivation is to live out some sort of power trip or to, you know, boost their own ego. I mean, they're for the folks that ask us, why is it so difficult to to become a pastor in the Presbyterian church? Well, our answer is look at the examples of places where it's pretty easy to become a pastor and what happens. Now, that's not to say that we're, we have our headlines too. We have our headlines too, but 
there is a there is a level of and we're not the only denomination that does this or many of the the denominations especially in the main line they they do have those gates markers because we try to say look if if you're in that boat where this is becoming a platform for you to live out some sort of power trip that's not what this is supposed to be about but we see it all the time and for those of us that read the headlines and believers that read the headlines and get discouraged or folks that read the headlines, well, I'm giving up on the church. This parable sh- says us we shouldn't be surprised because at this point in the, in the Matthew 13, this is where there's a real shift at the beginning of Matthew 13. Jesus is talking to the large crowds. The crowds. By this point, he's narrowed it down to just the disciples. And I think primarily because he's looking to, to them to say, look, don't be, don't be super excited about all this popularity that we seem to have right now. Because it will fall. I mean, these thousands will become vanish. You know, this is a hard. These are hard. And, and they and they did. As soon, soon as he quit, absolutely did. did. This is the John six moment. As soon as, as soon as he quit delivering the goods, you know, yeah. the, the things that they wanted to get from him, and began talking about some things that they couldn't understand that were very difficult for them, they they left in droves. Yeah, yeah. They and then, and then even at the, and I'm, I'm I alluded to this the Palm Sunday to to Good Friday. I mean, yeah, in a matter of days, in yeah, a matter of days, that. the the popularity that they thought they were having, I mean, I mean, it didn't just vanish. I mean, it went the a total opposite direction, because again, it was who who's going to deliver the goods, you know? And Jesus didn't seem to be anymore. And that that happens to, to far too many people who come into the church looking for something for themselves rather than giving themselves over in a, in a, a, a point of conviction for Jesus Christ. So really interesting parable. This, 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 yeah, and I, I loved how you, you brought in the, um, you know, that, 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 that the church, you know, the, 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 the faith, the people of faith around Jesus, the ones that seemed like they would be the insiders, they would be the ones to get it. Who was there? Yeah. Judas. Even Judas. Yeah. There's Ju- Judas. Is there. What is that? It's always what is, just, man, when you start thinking about what he saw, and what he experienced. Yeah. How, how, Judas, how? And, and, and Jesus is already prepping them for that moment. I mean, in, in these sorts of parables. I mean, it's not just this one, but in other parables. He's already prepping them for to not be the Pharisee who thinks just because they do X, Y, and Z, they're suddenly going to be in it. It has to do more with the conviction of their character, the conviction yeah. of their hearts about the need. And that just... I still, I, I, you know, I, I imagine if we scratch our heads about the state of Judas, what would Peter and Andrew and James? Yeah. I mean, how would they have even reacted but, to that? But it, it 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 fits what you were saying earlier, though, that we can't be surprised when when some person in some church behaves, you know, reprehensibly. I mean, just you just it's going to happen. It's just yeah. it is going to happen. What we all we can do, especially as leaders, is what we, all we can do is put in our own lives all the checks and balances that we can think of, and mostly call our own own hearts our own selves to to examine our hearts yeah, you yeah. know you talk about disposition of the hearts you know that's a question for every every leader yeah. in the church every ministry leader every elder of the church every pastor of the church where is your heart mm-hmm. is this a humble thing that's a side story here i i um i i you know i'm a senior pastor of a this is a good sized church here mm-hmm. this is we're 1100 1200 people in in mm-hmm. the church here um and for years and i came out of Peachtree, which had at the time had 10,000 member church mm-hmm. 10,000 member church and and i i remember saying to um, a friend who um well a friend in in, uh, in my doctoral program i don't want to be the pastor of a large church yeah 
I've seen too many of those pastors of large churches who have their, their egos are just out of control. Yeah. And uh, we know quite a, we know lots of folks like yeah, that. Yeah, I don't <laughs> not want to name names. Not going to name names. Absolutely not going to name names. But it was really it was really great because my my friend who was at a, a church our size, he said, you know, just just don't don't write everybody off as in that category. Yeah. There's a whole crop of people coming up now who are seeking to to lead well in large contexts with humility. And I'd like to think that that's Zach McGowan, yeah. Rebecca Mem, John Fullerton, Paul Stewart, you know, and all, all yeah. of us as well. So we're trying to lead well in large contexts with humility. Well, and I think, too, uh, if, if, if it's not just large contexts, large contexts can be a, a fertile field for uh, arrogance, uh, but the small context can be that as yeah, well, too. Everywhere. Yeah, everywhere. We've yeah. seen that those leaders that are in small contexts and it's they take that little power and they I'm, you know, I'm the senior pastor, or I'm the pastor, or I'm a leader in this church. But but it is it's, it's those are convicting things. And 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 these sorts of passages of Scripture do do call us to to our own account of our hearts as well, as well as the passage that we'll be digging into, digging into next week from Luke's gospel. And again, if anyone has missed any one of our passages in this, uh, or any of our messages in this series on parables, I encourage you to check out our website, fpclakeland.org, or search for FPC Lakeland on YouTube. You can see the entire service and uh, get the message as, as, as part of that. We did have a very full set of uh, services this this week with Holy Communion, which is always a moving time. Even in this pandemic era, we're having to do things a little differently. Uh, but something, it, something different this week with uh, with Twenty Third. Yes, camera camera crews. Yeah, for those that show up this week, uh, we've got folks coming in to shoot some uh, videos for us that are just more introductory videos that we'll use on our website and our social media for folks that just to get to know us a little better. So be prepared for that. But do show up. I know some people get a little camera shy, but uh, we, we we do encourage you to show up if you can. If you've missed any one of our episodes of Armchair Preaching, be sure to check us out on uh, on Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or SoundCloud. There are links on our website. Uh, under the sermon archive page be sure to uh, like us uh, subscribe share it with your friends Uh, we hope it's an edifying part of your discipleship journey john thank you once again for sitting down in the armchair to be here in the armchair Uh, absolutely and we'll see you guys all next time